Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You all like to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 27. We'll uh, get ready to start here. First, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we would be lost without your word. And so we treasure it this morning. And we want, Lord, not just to, to, just to read it on the surface, but we want, Lord, for you to extract for us the truths that you want to for us to become our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Genesis 27, verse 30. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau's brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? He said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all that before thou camest, and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and taken away thy blessing. He said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou now reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered, said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord. All his brethren have I given him for your servants. With corn, wine have I sustained him. What shall I do now unto thee, my son? Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatless of the earth. The dew of heaven from above, by thy sword shalt thou live, shalt thou serve thy brother. It shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion, thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of warning for my father are in hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Hmm. Now in our last study, we saw what happened when both Isaac and and Esau realized that they had both been overruled by God. And we saw that what happened were these two, these words, the, there were two great and exceedings, gadol meod. And the first great and exceeding that we saw was in verse 33, and that was Isaac's trembling, where we read Isaac trembled very exceedingly. The second great and exceeding we saw in verse 34 was Esau's. But Esau's was a bitter cry, where we read he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. So we saw here these two great and exceedings were opposite of each other. See, when Isaac trembled very exceedingly, that was a trembling of, oh, how wrong I've been. For Isaac, it was a trembling of repentance. On the other hand, when Esau cries with his great and exceeding, his great and exceeding bitter cry, it wasn't the cry of repentance. It was the cry of hard-hearted bitterness 
that resulted in a strong desire for revenge. And that marks the departure at this point in the lives of Isaac and Esau. They're going their separate ways now. But we saw that Isaac now, he starts off in a separate way. It was a good start that he had. He was going down that road of repentance. But in verse 34, when it says Isaac trembled very exceedingly, that was his good road, but it was immediately corrupted. It was corrupted because when Isaac heard his favorite son, Esau, cry with this lamentable, great and exceeding cry that just melted Isaac's heart. And the next verse, we see Isaac now, he turns around and he comes in and he joins Esau again. It was that Jacob, blaming Jacob. Oh, he said, you know what happened? Your brother came in with subtlety. He took your blessing away. In verse 35, Isaac's repentance had become corrupted by Esau. And so, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. That's literally what happened here. He was on this good road of repentance, Isaac was, and all of a sudden Esau's bitter cry, what was that? Those were evil communication to Isaac. And so Esau's evil communication corrupted Isaac's good repentance. So then in verse 34, we read this word bitter. Marah, bitter, to describe Esau's cry. He cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. And when Esau cried with this bitter cry, so much bitterness came out of Esau's mouth, and his heart for that matter, that it was like a plague of bitterness that just came out of Esau's mouth, like an infection. And what we see in verse 35 is that Isaac got infected with Esau's plague of bitterness, and now Isaac is now spreading the bitterness against Jacob with his mouth. And he's saying in verse 30, he said, thy brother came in with subtlety, verse 35, and taken away thy blessing. See, the bitterness of Esau against Jacob has spread to Isaac, and now Isaac is bitter against Jacob. And so what we see in verses 33, 34, and 35 is a perfect illustration of Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. In verse 33, Isaac had mounted up to repentance by the grace of God, but in verse 35, he has failed of the grace of God, and it's been by a root of bitterness in Esau against Jacob that sprung up and defiled Isaac to now be bitter against Jacob, which is why the verse in Hebrews 12, 15 is so important when it says, looking diligently, you know, be on your guard. And Isaac failed to look diligently, to be on his guard against bitterness, and he became infected with Esau's plague of bitterness against Jacob. That's what happened here. And and so these verses from 33 to 35 show us the importance of this words looking diligently in Hebrews 12, 15. Because in these verses, we see how easily we can become infected with the plague of bitterness, the root of bitterness, as it says. Now, these verses show us how we are the most susceptible to being infected with bitterness by those who are the closest to us. See, there was no one on earth that was closer to Isaac than Esau. And that made Isaac susceptible to become infected with Esau's bitterness. See, when a husband is bitter, 
the wife must look diligently because she's in danger of adopting her husband's bitterness. When a wife is bitter, the husband must look diligently because he's in danger of adopting his wife's bitterness. So these verses show us the importance of looking diligently and also shows the importance of the word fail in Hebrews 12, 15, where it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail. And in verse 33, Isaac trembled because he saw the will of God was for Jacob to be blessed. And so in verse 33, Isaac saw that God caused him to bless Jacob. But then in verse 34, Isaac fell under the the bitter influence here of, of Esau. And in verse 35, Isaac has now sunk back into a state of blindness. See, the physically blind Isaac, who was made to spiritually see, has now sunk back into his state of spiritual blindness. And he says, oh, Jacob. He says, it was Jacob that caused Jacob to be blessed. Thy brother came with subtlety and had taken away thy blessing. In verse 33, Isaac's spiritual state had been restored. He saw God cause Jacob to be blessed. In verse 35, he's blind again, and he says, no, Jacob. Jacob caused him to blame. He blames Jacob. In verse 33, restored spiritual sight. He saw there was, no, there was no second cause for why Jacob got blessed. Isaac saw God was the first cause. God caused Jacob to be blessed. Verse 35, return to darkness, return to blindness. Second cause. Second cause for Jacob to be blessed. Jacob was the cause for Jacob to be blessed. It shows us in life how we should stay. We need to stay in verse 33. We need to not go into the verse 35. And we should always see God as the first cause and not see others and blame others for what happens. That's the road to peace. Now, this is what we saw, what we will see, in the life of Joseph. Joseph had every reason to hate his brothers. He had every reason to look at his brothers and to see them as all the problems in life. You know, when I was a little kid, I was in a boxing at school, and I would, you know, I'd come out and I would just just pulverize my opponent, you know. And you know how I did that? I would look at that person and i say, all my problems are life are because of this person. <laughs> and I'd just go after him, you know. And Joseph had every reason to look at his brothers and say, all my problems in life or because of them. See, life was good for Joseph when he was in Jacob's house. He was Jacob's favorite son. He was wearing that coat of many colors. He was walking around saying, boy, I am the cat's meow. And then Joseph's brothers violently ripped his coat away from him. And when they did that, they also ripped his home away from him. They ripped his position away from him. They ripped his favored position away from him. And then it all went downhill for Joseph. He was sold as a slave. He was led, that led him to be falsely accused. He was imprisoned. His feet were tremendously hurt by iron shackles. As it says in Psalm 105, 17, he sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. See, Joseph, the favored son in Jacob's house, was sold for a servant. And Joseph was falsely imprisoned. His feet were hurt with his iron shackles. And then it says this happened to him until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. Say, what was Joseph's word 
that's being referred to there until the time that his word came. Joseph's word was the message that God had told him and his brothers and his fathers were going to bow down to him, which his family loved that word. (laughs) They were thrilled, you know. So languishing in that dirty, rotten, damp prison with his feet in iron shackles, it it just didn't look like Joseph's word of his brothers and his fathers bowing down to him was ever going to happen. I mean, he was, where was he? He was way down in some foreign place, Egypt, terrible. But during that time, the word that God had told to Joseph, it tried him. It was like a trial. He kept remembering, they're going to bow down to me. And every time he remembers, it's like a trial. And one of the trials that Joseph experienced there in that prison was the temptation to become bitter, the temptation to see that all his problems were caused by his brothers, which I could just annihilate them. The temptation was for him to blame his brothers, and they were to blame. The temptation that Isaac fell into when he blamed Jacob in verse 35 by saying, thy brother came with subtlety and take away thy blessing. When Isaac said that, Isaac was not seeing as God only as the cause for that Jacob received the blessing. When Isaac said that, Isaac saw and blamed Jacob for taking the blessing. But when the tables were turned and Joseph had the chance to make come around to them what went around, you know, to him, he proved that he had not fallen into verse 35. And he said to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, last chapter of the book, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That was a tremendous statement of victory for Joseph. Boy, did he have the victory there. When Joseph said that to his brothers, Joseph was really proclaiming, I got the victory over the temptation to become bitter. He had refused to see his brothers as the primary cause for him leaving his family and coming into Egypt. See, he had kept God in his sight as the primary cause for why he left his family and he came to Egypt. He saw clearly what happened. Now, he saw very clearly what his brothers thought. He said, you know, in that verse in Genesis 50, verse 20, as for you, you thought evil against me. See, Joseph didn't have a case of amnesia. You know, he didn't have a, well, you know, a long time passes and I forgot about it all. No, no. He knew how much they hated him. He remembered very clearly what Judas said happened on that day. For one thing, he overheard Judas say it again in case he forgot it. It's all reminded, came back to him. On that day, when they threw him into that pit of death, the pit to die, no water in the desert, and Judas said in front of him, although he didn't realize he could understand them, in Genesis 42, 21, and they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress come upon us. Judas said, we saw the anguish of his soul. See, during that struggle for life, Joseph looked into the eyes of his brothers, and he said, don't do this to me. And he was terrified and in despair. And Judas said, we saw the anguish of his soul, the eyes of the windows of the soul. They looked into his eyes, into Joseph's eyes, and they saw deep anguish of his soul. And then Judah said, when he besought us. What happened in that struggle for life? Joseph was begging for his life. 
He was begging for them, don't do this. And Judah said what their reply was. Judah said what their reply was to all of Joseph's pleading for his brothers to not cast him into the pit of death to die. And he said, we would not hear. And now the tables are turned. And Joseph holds in his hands now all the power over his brothers. Now he could just say, execute him. That would be it. There's no appeal court. And in Genesis 50, Joseph looks into the eyes of his brothers. He remembers so clearly. The last time he looked into the eyes of his brothers on that day when they threw him into the pit of death. He remembers it. And now he looks into his brother's eyes again. He remembers how his own eyes had reflected the anguish of his soul. And he looks in his brother's eyes now, remembers his pleading cries for mercy and how they wouldn't hear, how they just turned a deaf ear to him. And as Joseph looks into their eyes and all this comes back to him, Joseph says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But now he sees in his brothers the anguish of their souls. And now his brothers are pleading with Joseph for their mercy, for mercy for them. And in verse 18 of Genesis 50, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. They said, behold, we be thy servants. But does Joseph take this opportunity to blame them and take vengeance on them? No, not at all. He says to them, now therefore fear ye not. Genesis 50 verse 21. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spake kindly unto them. He forgave them, and he tells them that he's going to take care of them. He's going to comfort them. He's going to speak kindly to them. Why? Because of what Joseph said to them in verse 20. But as for you, Genesis 50 verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, save much people alive. See, the second but, it's all about the second but in that sentence and Joseph's thinking, it's his thinking way. It's the way he thinks. As for you, you thought, but, first but, as for you, you thought evil against me, second but, but God meant it unto good. It's all important but, but God meant it unto good to save people alive. See, Joseph did what it says in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. He says, not me. I'm not going to fail of the grace of God. I'm looking diligently. I see that root of bitterness. I see it springing up and I'm going to spray Roundup on it. No, he won't do that. He'll get lymphoma. Anyway, but anyway, spring up, trouble, thereby many to be defiled. So Joseph looks diligently, saw that he is being threatened by this root of bitterness against his brothers. Before it could spring up, he stomps it on the ground and he says, but God meant it for good. That's the end. And what Joseph did was to look for God's purpose. Not just what God did, but what was God's purpose in what happened to him? And he says, he says, boy, if I hadn't come to Egypt, you know, and I came to Egypt, oh, look how many people get saved alive. It was worth it. So Joseph has shown us that the key to not become bitter is to look for God's purpose for what happened and then thank him, thank God for accomplishing his purpose. Steve Saint had to face the same challenge. Steve Saint was five years old when his father, Nate Saint, was one of the five brethren missionaries, including Jim Elliott, who were murdered by the Aki Indians in Ecuador in 1956. And that tribe turned to the Lord and became believers largely because of Steve's mother, who decided to pick up 
where her fallen husband had died and left, and she went and lived with that tribe. See something. The tribe that murdered her husband. And there was one Aka Indian there who was, became very close to Steve, like a father to him. His name was Minkaya. And so decades later, Minkaya said, I got to take you today on this ride, this canoe ride. So they go on this canoe ride alone. They never found the plane. And they never found all the stuff that they had, the missionaries, the five missionaries when they died. And he told them, he said, I got to tell you something. So they go down this river, they stop along this river bank, and then Minkaya begins to dig feverishly in the sand, and he digs up the plane, or part of the plane. There was the plane. It was buried there. And then he starts digging up artifact, you know, stuff that the, the missionaries had left behind. They died. And one of the things he digs up is a picture of Steve, the little boy that his father used to keep on the plane. And it was then that Minkaya told him, he said, I have to tell you, I'm the one who speared your father. And it was so moving, and he gave him a spear. He says, now you can kill me. And so Steve broke the spear and refused to. Why? Because he focused on how many of those Aka Indians were saved from hell because his father died. And Steve could then say the words of Joseph in Genesis 50, verse 20, but as for you, Minkiah, you thought evil against my father, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And this is what Isaac should have done. He should have said the words of Joseph, his grandson. But as for Jacob, he thought evil again. He thought evil. He thought to deceive me. But God meant for Jacob to be blessed. And that would have been looking at what happened from God's perspective and looking at from the purpose. And when we are wronged, we need the words of Joseph. But as for this person, he thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, and that's the fill in the blank. And, and that's our challenge. That's the road to victory over bitterness. That's the road to victory over not blaming others. But tragically, what we see in verse 35 is that Isaac didn't have this victory, and instead, Isaac lapsed back into not seeing God, but into only seeing Jacob, and he blames Jacob for what happened. So in verse 35, Isaac is refusing to see what God gave, that God was the one who gave Jacob the birthright and the blessing. Now, after Isaac has given into the temptation to blame Jacob, we see Esau's words. In verse 36, he said, well, then, is not he rightly named Jacob? He supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, that's not now reserved a blessing for me. So with these words, we can see how the hatred is mounting up in Esau against Jacob. Oh, it's getting hotter and hotter. And what we see in Esau is great sorrow, sorrow. He's a sorrow, he's got a sorrow, you know, but it's not the right kind of sorrow. In 1 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, there's two sorrows spoken of. He says, Paul says, now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but you sorrowed, but you, you sorrowed to repentance. You were made sorrow after a godly manner, which you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of this world worketh death. So in these verses, Paul is saying that he was happy the Corinthian believers were made sorrow. And he talks about being sorrow after a godly manner and calls it a godly sorrow. And, and he says it works repentance. And godly sorrow always works a change. It works repentance. 
Godly sorrow always works a change in the person. But when a person is sorry for his sin, for example, that person will come to God for salvation. God will give that person the grace to stop. That's a godly sorrow that results in a change. It results in salvation. If a person has godly sorrow, it's going to result in repentance and coming to God for salvation. Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Now, today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. And to learn more about Jewish evangelism or obtain free resources or send a free gospel gift from Tom Cantor to your lost Jewish friend, visit israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. What are you doing this Thursday? Come to the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California for our Thursday night Bible study and fellowship. This Thursday, we'll have a Support Israel rally with the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, as he teaches us how we can bless and support Israel and reach lost Israel. So join us this Thursday at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, this Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. Call us for more information at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or go online to creationsd.org, creationsd.org.